When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Explorers, welcome back to the Starship Lorecast. Is that a good new t- new intro? I just the Starship the Starship Lorecast sounds like a good funk group, you know. Yeah, it's just a good. Funk We're the Starship Lorecast. I do uh, bass parts for funk bands with my voice. I get hired. For That's that. impressive. Thanks. Very impressive. Thanks. Anyway, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is another episode real fast because we've got so much cool stuff to talk about. We are your co-pilots. I'm Tom. That's Dave. And we're here again to talk about locations because we got a glimpse at some of the new locations. And this week we're starting with New Atlantis. Dave, you excited about New Atlantis? I'm excited about New Atlantis, uh, one of essentially Bethesda's biggest cities that they're making. Yeah, that's what they're I'm saying. Trying think, I'm trying to think of of cities that are that are bigger, like uh, of I'm guess the Imperial City. I'm guessing uh, Imperial City was other, pretty big. It had lots lots of different little sections that got divided sections. up into loading screens. Um, but most of the cities that we've seen in the more recent games, like Sky, uh, Skyrim, all the cities are fairly small. Uh, Fallout 4, Diamond City's really not that big, right? Like, the Institute location's fairly large, but it doesn't really work like a city. It works more like an underground location, like a building. Um, Yeah, so this, I mean, based on what we've seen so far, this looks impressive. And we're going to dig into all the details that we have been able to figure out based on information that's been floating around, stuff from Starfield Direct. And in order to remind you what we got... In the Starfield Direct, we have the video up for you right here. Listen along or watch along if you are listening at home on the audio version. The video version will be up on the Robots Radio YouTube channel. And also a reminder that a lot of the information that we're sharing will be up on uh, starfieldinsider.com as news articles. So go check that. Is it .com or .net? I just broke my brain. Starfieldinsider.com. It is .com. We got the .com. And, got uh, the .com. Yeah. So Dave and I and a number of other people will be writing, writing articles about Starfield. So stay plugged in all that stuff. But here, let's check out the video. This is what we got from Starfield Direct just earlier this week. 
The United Colonies is where you'll find New Atlantis, the first major human settlement in space. The people who live here value law, discipline, and the legacy of humanity. They consider themselves the true children of Earth. You ever think of joining up with the Vanguard? Help the United Colonies even get your UC citizenship? New Atlantis isn't the only city within the United Colonies. The city of Sud- So then it goes on to some of the other cities, but we got one that like little final zoom out with the funny looking flower creature at the front. Now, Dave, while we talk, I'm going to let this loop in the background without any sound and I'll set that up. But um, where do you want to start with this? There's a lot to dig into here. I think, you know, oftentimes it's best to start on a large scale. Um, So let's talk about things outside of New Atlantis, which is the star system that it's in, which is Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Tom, I think you had some you had some interesting information on the Alpha Centauri system IRL. Well, yeah. So here. So I got curious and I was like, okay, this is located in Alpha Centauri. What do we know about Alpha Centauri? And it turns out that I didn't remember much about. I mean, I feel like I've looked this up before. You know, the name Alpha Centauri. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a star. It's pretty close to Earth, I think, like uh, sort of compared to other stars. Well, here's what we know. And I'm going to read just the first few paragraphs from the Wikipedia article. Alpha Centauri, or also known as Alpha Sign Centauri, or Alpha Sen, or Alpha Sign Sen, is a triple star system, three stars, in the southern constellation of Centaurus. It consists of three stars, Rigel Centaurus, Alpha Centauri A, uh, Ptolemon B, and Proxima Centauri C. So there's A, B, and C for the main stars. Easy, easy way to know what they are. Proxima Centauri is also the closest star to the sun at 4.2465 light years. So by light travel, that's not really that far. Like if we could create a spaceship today and we knew that we could get it up to light speed, which, of course, would be impossible by our understanding of physics and technology today. It would only take four years to get there, a little over four years of travel, which sounds like yeah, quite an adventure of a road trip or a space trip, I guess. Um, but obviously it would take a lot longer if you can't go that fast. So there must be some sort of technology going on that gets us faster than light travel or at least close to light speed travel with other means of keeping people alive, like generation ships or something like that. But because in the game, we're going to be zipping around between different stars. I would imagine that we have to have some form of faster than light travel. Yeah, they actually talked about the what version of um, faster than light travel that they use. It's actually called a grav jump. Um, they talk about that in a number of different, um, especially with the space combat and putting um, power on your uh, grav drive. Right, but we don't know what that means. We don't know what the actual technology behind that is. Like mm. a grav jump almost sounds like a gravity slingshot. Like you're heading, like they, they do this with satellites and, and things in space currently. They'll send mm. something off at a certain direction and it gains speed as it comes toward a planet or a moon and then it whips around the moon and gets shot off in another direction. Um, but this isn't about redirecting the momentum. It's about creating the velocity and the momentum in order to travel somewhere real fast, right? Yeah. I, and I think, you know, going off on that tangent, like how black holes, white holes, that kind of stuff affect gravity um, and how those like, you know, we see that a lot in um, interstellar um, of, of the time difference between certain things. Um, 
it could be different folds that they use to make the ships go faster. So it kind of like powers up and creates a, a gravitational anomaly. And technically you could have a powerful enough gravitational anomaly that it could fling you wherever as, as right. far as, right. you know, calculating where you're supposed to go. I guess that's on the, the, um, the space facts of Starfield, but yeah, I, I, mean, I think I, it's an I, interesting concept. I think it, it probably has to do with like using gravity to fold space time to create like mm. a wormhole would be my guess. But uh, we're, I'm sure we're going to learn more about that. But more details about Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri A and B are sun-like stars, class G and K respectively, and together they form the binary star system Alpha Centauri AB. So there's some complexity here. The, a binary mm. star system is interesting because the stars actually go around each other. They are gravitationally locked together. Uh, to the naked eye, the two main components appear to be a single star. So if you look up in the night sky today, you would say, oh, look at that star. That's Alpha Centauri, but it's actually three. Um, with the apparent uh, magnitude of negative 0.27, it is the brightest star in the constellation and the third brightest in the na night sky, outshine only by Sirius and Canopus. Alpha Centauri A has 1.1 times the mass and 1.5 times the luminosity of the sun. So we're not talking like orders of magnitude. We're not talking 10, 100 times bigger or brighter. It's about 10% bigger, about 50% brighter. Um, and Alpha Centauri B is smaller and cooler at 0.9 times the sun's mass, so about 10% smaller, and 0.5 times its luminosity, which is about 50% less as bright. So you add the two together and you get two stars that together are about double the size and double the brightness together. It's kind of interesting, like kind of coincidental how that kind of works. I don't know. Um, and the, the pair orbits around a common center with an orbital, per orbital period of 79 years. And then the article goes on and talks about some other stuff. So I thought this was really interesting because some other details I've, I've learned about this is at one point we thought there might we may have discovered some planets around one of these stars but it turns out that that was like a mathematical error in the data the scientists were using and then it got rejected so as far as we know we don't know if these stars have planets on them or not so in starfield the running assumption is they do and humanity has now placed a city at least on one of them I mean, I think I, I think it's very interesting that this like locationally and the distance that you've, you've explained and, and like what we know about that, it's very, all very tangible. So it makes sense that this would be the capital colony if we're looking at, you know, you want to put ideally you want to put your next, you know, your next home base close to home. If you're doing a bunch of space travel, me being a space travel enthusiast, you want to make sure that your bases are real close. <laughs> this is normally but what you do when you travel. It's, normal, it's a normal day for me. Yeah. yeah it's very, um, you know, uh, grab drive, get yourself up in the cockpit, go, you know, hypersleep. Anyway, found another base um, somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Like of, of how of how that, you know, the I guess a star system is aligned with uh, the soul system or Earth, Earth solar system. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems like an obvious choice to put a um, essentially a planet that would house the capital of a space empire. Right. Well, it also seems like one of the first places we would have gotten to because it's one of the closest star systems. Or it, or could be it could be the star that is the closest of the three. Um, we don't know which star this planet actually goes around. It just says Alpha Centauri system, 
So mm-hmm. that one of the three, I guess. Um, but we also see in the images that they show us that it is uh, it's got large grasslands and trees and creatures that are alien to us, but are close enough to animals that we would maybe recognize, you know. Um, so it seems like they found a very Earth-like planet here. Yeah, it's very verdant. It's very verdant. Um, and it is the capital of the United colonies uh, which is a faction that they've shown off they've shown off three major factions and some minor factions mm-hmm. like constellation your major factions they show off for united colonies uh the free star collective and the crimson raiders i'm pretty sure that they're called yes um, yeah and this plan is called jemison j-e-m-i-s-o-n jemison um so this is the capital now this city specifically is designed to look like a city of the future they mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. This is the this is the city of tomorrow. And during our Starfield Direct uh, breakdown, you mentioned that it kind of reminds you of Epcot at Disney. It does. The way you know the original pitch for I'm not I'm not like I'm not like the guy that goes to Disney World every you know month or whatever. I'm sure Tom knows plenty of those people. In I, I have some friends that are that like seriously live out like the back gate of Disney World, like. Yeah, they, yeah, they can ride their bikes like 15 minutes to the front entrance and go yeah, in that, on the weekends. That's my sister. Um, yeah. I'm not like that. But I do think it's interesting in a lot of their concepting that they do for a lot of their theme parks. Like, I think that that's like super interesting. Uh, if you go back and look at pictures for um, Tomorrowland, which back in the day used to be called Lucasport because it was going to be a Star Wars world back in the 50s. Uh, when they or you know, when they designed well, it's like Star Wars wasn't around yet, but. Right, but they were going to do a redesign of Tomorrowland um, and and call it Lucasport. Wow! Um, and well, like when Star Wars become became huge, yeah, when Star Wars became huge, um, and they had a number of different um, uh, essentially concepts that they put together of like, oh, this is how you know this travel plaza would look. This is how this. Um, I guess like a a ride of some sort in these buildings, and all the buildings are very like. Um, uh, very sleek everything is very like kind of like motiony it waves around a little bit on the edges yeah um, the roads to- look like organic and smooth but the buildings look very flat and geometric yeah if you go to epcot and look at kind of their epcot is known for its um uh, circle of nations the parade of nations the united nations maybe even that's in the back part of the park that goes along the lake but the front of it is very science-based and so they have that giant golf ball. That's at least what I call it um, with a number of different buildings that have that Starfield aesthetic of, you know, very like angular. Um, some of them have these little walkways. And even in some of their new redesigns that they're doing for Epcot, they have essentially what looks like concept art for uh this you know uh what is it the capital of the united colonies this uh what's the name of the place again new atlantis New exactly atlantis. that's yeah. what i'm looking for yeah um it, they have a lot of that stuff that looks like that um so i i think that part of the design will be like this idealist dream of you know what that could be because that's the whole thing that originally spurred all this epcot to marland it's like what do we what do we dream of in that space age what could life be like now you know sometimes I, it seems like this is the 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 future where that works as opposed to the futures where it doesn't, which is pretty much just every Bioshock game. So. <laughs> right. Right. Every, yes. Every, every dark version of the future from cyberpunk to 
right. even Fallout is a dark version of the future, although it's it's much more post-apocalyptic. Um, but speaking of post-apocalypticism, it seems like Earth isn't doing so good, but this planet's doing all right. And I have to wonder if, like, what was the cause and effect there? Was Earth in decline, and so we founded a new colony, and so now this is the center of of human space, or was this founded and then earth fell apart and it had to become the center of human space i mean you might be right there's some speculation there of like oh were these like envoys sent from earth they made their own thing they're like yeah we're good here we don't need to go back and then people started migrating around like that that history that kind of like ancient lore uh, for Starfield, I'm I'm pretty interested in of how that all connects. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to find more out about that as we get to play the game. But um, this uh, is supposed to fit into now. They mentioned okay, so let me back up a little bit. They mentioned the NASA punk design aesthetic, and I've mm-hmm. seen some places online where people were like, like the uh, I don't know PC Gamer article. Maybe it was PC Gamer. Maybe it was. So I, I hope I'm getting this right. I think it was PC Gamer. And they, they pulled up like the Western looking planets and design. And they're like, how is this NASA punk? And it's like, well, clearly not everything in the game is designed under the same aesthetic because you have different groups, different planets, places that are light years apart with their own cultures doing their own things. The, the description about NASA punk has to do with the way the starships look like they're assembled and some of the locations look like they're designed. So mm-hmm. do we see any? of that like nasa punk aesthetic here in new atlantis i think this is the primary place that you actually see a lot of that nasa punk uh aesthetic a a lot of that comes from the uh nasa punk in general comes from like like 1950s and 1970s in america where everything was like every kid wanted to be an astronaut that was like the most common thing kids wanted to be was an astronaut i'm not sure what it would be today if it would be a youtuber or you know a starfield lorecast podcast or whatever you know kids it's probably what we do it's probably what we do. Uh, we're probably living the dream. Anyways, like that was the thing back in the 50s and se- like 50s, 60s, 70s. Everybody wanted to be an astronaut. Everybody wanted to go to, to these places. And I was reminded of this clip. I think it was from the the second uh, uh, the second episode of Futurama where they get on this little ride to go explore the moon. Um, and it's like a rendition of what they think the first moon exploration is. And so like Fry, who's from the, the distant past that's been set into the future, He's like, oh, this is so cool. I, I've always wanted to go to the moon. And the other person that's an alien is with them is like, yeah, man, the moon is just a rock. I don't know why everybody's so obsessed <laughs> right. with the moon because it's just a rock. So there's kind of like an optimism built into that. Um, and mm-hmm. it seems like that that's really on display here in the city. Like everything is really, it's almost like it's all marketed towards that. Like the, the city is really like moving towards progress and establishing themselves and, and, you know, making their mark upon the galaxy. But I'm curious in comparison to other places, if there is kind of like an underlayer of pessimism when it comes to that of, yeah. Oh, you know, maybe, Maybe we don't all need to be, maybe we just need to be living our lives rather than we got to go starfield it. We got to get in the spaceships. We got to go conquer some planets. Yeah, let's go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get a sense that this is probably one of those utopias. Like it looks utopic, utopic, mm-hmm. uh, but underneath there's probably a certain amount of struggle 
and people trying to get by. It's like the, it looks like the kind of place where the government keeps everything clean. Like mm-hmm. the street cleaners are out every night. All the buildings are kept up really nicely, all of that stuff. But even like that, that image that just popped up there of the robot, the robots are very NASA punk. They all look worn down like they've been around for a while. Uh, the humans all come from different places and I'm sure, I'm sure they have different goals and, and agendas. And it was mentioned, um, during the uh, during the event that uh, the main organization that you become a part of is like the last group to actually even consider going out and exploring. It's almost like everybody has kind of found their place in space and have settled down or feel contained to their lives. And, and that's it. Like that whole like you're saying that 1950s, 1960s fervor for exploration has really died down. And these people mm-hmm. are just kind of living their lives just trying to get by at this point. Right. Uh, it's it's interesting that a lot of the places that we're going to go seem to be unexplored, um, seem to be new planets that we're going to and checking out, you know, that may be desolate. They may be teeming with life. There may be an old base there or something like with, to push that boundary beyond what we would consider the major cities and settlements. Um, kind of going along that optimism, pessimism thing. They talk about the values of um, uh, New Atlantis, law, discipline, and the legacy of humanity, and that they consider themselves the true children of... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details earth so okay so when you hear a statement like the true children of earth that is a divisive statement meaning it creates an in-group and an out-group they are defining themselves as the in-group and so anyone else is on the outside of that also if they're focusing on law and discipline and all of these things 
to a certain, just like many other concepts, up to a certain extent, that is a good thing. It's good to have laws. It's good to have discipline. It's good to make sure that society is in order and everything works together. But you pass a certain level of that and it, and it becomes fascist. It becomes authoritarian, oppressive. And so any, any too far in the either direction of law or chaos ends up in a system that most people don't want to be living in. There's a balance in the middle, right? So it makes me wonder, this group of true children of Earth, what is that society actually like? Is it actually utopia and people feel like, oh, I'm, I feel safe to go out and do what I want, but I still have the freedom to do the things that I want as long as I'm not hurting other people? Or is it oppressive? Yeah, law, discipline, and the legacy of the past seems like, I think, for uh, spacefaring folk, a pretty conservative policy as far as as far as value. Um, which you know, as people, you know, there's always going to be differing opinions. There's always going to be differing things happening within any Bethesda game. I mean, look at Skyrim, where you have free Skyrim, be part of the Empire Skyrim. Like, there's yeah. going to be some some clashing. I I feel like on that. Um, and and it, it creates, you know, we can talk about it. We, it creates kind of like two separate groups of the people that are in the system that know the thing and the people that are outside of it, much like in right. Fallout New Vegas of like, you got to pay 2,500 caps to get into the the strip or else you suck. Dude. Yeah. Or, you know or I mean? certain certain cities are part of the NCR. And if you're not yes. part of the NCR, then yeah, we can't really help you right now. You didn't. You need to join right. up. You know, like, and uh, there we've seen. To your point, we've seen variations of this theme in other uh, Bethesda games. But what what is the extent of this? Is it going to be one of those places that? I mean, I feel like what they're very good at doing is creating a very gray and realistic version of different kinds of groups. The Brotherhood of Steel has very high-minded ideals, but how they carry those things out can be terrible sometimes. Um, the, the Enclave seems to be a group that is extremely fascist, but what if they're the only thing that's actually going to save humanity, right? There's that kind of play between the two options in a lot of the different things. And you see it in, you see it in Skyrim and Elder Scrolls games, all of that stuff. So I think what we're going to get here is something that looks more idyllic than it actually is when you get underneath the surface. And so that's going to bring about questions for the way you role play the game. Do you burn it to the ground? Do you go along with it? Do you actually put their agenda forward because you think they're the right ones? Or do you join the, the Crimson Fleet and decide to just blow everybody up? Yeah, I, I, I think, the, and is the Crimson Fleet really trying to blow everybody up? Or are they just trying to like, hey, we're here to, we've been excommunicated from the United colonies. They don't want us a part of it. So we're going to steal from them much like the Raiders, I think in fallout 76. Yeah. Were, uh, or like a, like, like a Robin hood kind of group where they're yeah. just taking care of the people who nobody else is taking care of. Yeah. Um, kind of moving into who all would be included in this group. Uh, in that trailer, there are flags in the square, which have a lot of different colors, um, a lot of different symbols on there. Um, and I, I'm curious, it talks about the United Colonies. So my estimation, looking at a bunch of different flags around the central area, I'm, I'm estimating these flags stand for each of the colonies in the United Colonies rather than just simple, you know, oh, here's yeah. your little decorative flag. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I paused it on the screen and almost they're all within the same kind of color band. Lots of blues mm -hmm. and whites and a little bit of red. 
and Mm -hmm. which feels very America. Right. Like it's got. But it also feels very European. Almost the majority of European nations have red or blue or white in their flag colors. Right. And then maybe a different variation on on like an orange or a green. Um, So, yeah, uh, I think each of these and you can see the different symbols on each one. I think these work kind of like the symbols for the cities in Skyrim. These are separate colonies on different planets. And each colony is going to have its own kind of flavor, its own kind of world thing going on. But they're all part of this collective. And this is the capital of that collective. Yeah. And and I'm curious from some of the more oppressive things that we talked about of, of like, oh, you know, the law, order and, and the truth of humanity and all that stuff. In history, we know that colonies of major of like major factions like the United Kingdom, um, you know, some of the Dutch colonies, Spanish colonies, that kind of stuff. French, basically every colonial power. Right. Every colonial power. The majority of those colonies over time have been like, you know, I would say the overarching majority had a lot of issues. um, Oh, yeah. I mean, they were exploited. They like the colonies were exploited. But here's the thing. The difference between colonialization at that time and colonialization here is in the past, you had a big military power going to places where people were less technologically developed and exploiting the populations. In this case, these may just be different colonies that were founded. So it wasn't that they were taking land from other people. Mm. They were founding a new location and then they decided, okay, yes, well, we're going to either, either we were sent by the, like by new Atlantis or by the, you know, the main group or whatever, or they were, uh, isolated colonies that decided once they developed to a certain point to sign on and become part of it, like, like uh, adding another state to the United States or something like that. Right. I think that's a good point of, of the difference of how, you know, every, cause you had like original people that lived in the, in these lands, the native people and how they were completely pretty much destroyed for most of the colonies that were put in place um, in these places all over the world. But here you don't really, I mean, not necessarily, I don't think we're doing a bunch of alien killing just quite yet. Um, Yeah. And I don't think that those indigenous populations would have been in those places long enough for a more powerful group to come and try to exploit them. My guess is that those colonies were as technologically advanced as anybody else. They just decided that being part of a bigger group was a good idea or they were founded by the bigger group. Yeah. Do, do you wonder if there's like a, a, an economic system of like, oh, they all have to pay taxes to whatever to be a part of it. And is there like some guy that's like, you know, holding a key on a on a on a kite and writing for lightning and another guy who's, you know, singing about how he wants to be in the room where it happened, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, is there anything? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Is there going to be tea in the starport? Are we knocking the tea in the is starport? Lynn is Lin-Manuel question. Miranda a character in this game and writing plays <laughs> about it with awesome music? Um, maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, speaking of war, though, speaking of war-like situations, uh, there's a war memorial. What do we know about this? Yeah, it seems like that there is a, a battle that has happened. Uh, that's, that's, you know... At running off of pure speculation here, they have a war memorial kind of in the middle of this um, the central area with a lot of the flags. It's kind of connected in this big veranda that it seems like you get to when you first arrive at New Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, and my question is, like, what was this war? 
Um, is this how you know they became united as colonies, or is this like how the Free Star Collective was formed, or is this what defined the Crimson Raiders? What like my question is, what does a Star War look like? Yeah, right. So uh, the United Colonies are united, and the Free Star Collective is not. So you have this dynamic that's like. Um, uh, feder- federalism versus confederalism. Mm-hmm. Are those the right words? Uh, yes. So like the United Colony seems like a federation. The Free Star Collective seems like a confederation, meaning that they are a, a much more loosely connected band of individual places that all make their own laws. So my guess is the United Colonies have some sort of uh, federal overhead, much like a country like the United States. And then they have individual colonies that work like states with their, some of their own laws, but they all have to play the same way with the federal laws, right? Whereas the other group is like, no, screw that. We want to, we want our own autonomy, but we're going to work together. So there's no federal overhead. Um, my guess is that for the United colonies to separate themselves and define themselves and maintain that, or the other way around the free star collective to separate themselves, there had to be some sort of breaking off point between the two. There had to be a, there was probably a war for, uh, most likely the free star colony saying, leave us alone. We're not part of you or we're no longer part of you. And there was maybe a civil war or something that happened. That's my the guess. star war. Yeah. They, they have to talk about the star war. Not, not plural, not plural, not plural. Nope. Just the one, just the star war, just the one star war. Yep. Um, kind of, kind of building off of, of what you're talking about, about, um, you know, this conflict in the military in the trailer, they show off this essentially a recruiter for their military called the Vanguard. Yeah. And it's, and they say, Hey, come, come join the Vanguard. And, um, we, we, we'll talk about this in a minute, but if you join the Vanguard, you get your citizenship in the United colonies. So my question is like the, the Vanguard in that term, it seems like is more of a group for protection. Well, of like that was my assumption too. Okay. So Vanguard, I'm thinking, okay, what is the, what are the pieces of this word mean? Like the, a van is, is a consolidated group, kind of like a, like if you had an army marching together, that could be a van of, mm-hmm. of soldiers. Um, and the vanguard would be the part of that group that was defending the van, right? That seems to make sense, mm-hmm. but it not, actually isn't true. Cause if you look up the definition, uh, so according to the Oxford Dictionary, uh, a group of people leading the way in new development or ideas, meaning the, th- the group at the front or the foremost part of an advancing army or naval force. So this vanguard might be interested in advancing into the Free Star Collective in like taking back land or colonies that they thought were once their own. I think you're I think you're hitting on something of like, you know, this this may be seen as like, oh, you're going to be you're going to be protecting the homeland. But really, it's maybe that's what they're pitching it as. Yeah. To get people to sign up, like defend the homeland, defend your home planet, defend your colonies, fight to protect what you believe in. But and we've seen this in modern militaries over the last hundred and something years. Sometimes the thing they're pitching for you to get you to sign up is not the thing you're going to actually be doing once you're enlisted. 
Yeah, the, the classic Starship Troopers. Classic Starship Starship Troopers. When it comes to when it comes to that trope, especially in the media. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting that they are kind of holding citizenship over these folks' heads. Like they're like, oh, if you join up with our military, then you'll earn your citizenship in the United Colonies. And so what does what does that come with? I mean, is that like, oh, I'm a citizen now, so I can just hang out on this little uh, beach that's pictured in the trailer. <laughs> right. Like I just get to go right. to the beach and just like kick a robot. I mean kick a kick a soccer ball with Vasco all day. Well, like my guess is, is I mean it's it's a federal government. So the government probably has certain things in place that benefit the populace if you are a citizen. Yeah. Just again, just like in the United States, like the citizens get certain rights that non citizens don't. So if you want mm-hmm. those rights, you need to become a citizen. Also, there may be something like a requirement like if you want to purchase land or own land within any of these locations, you have to be a citizen in order to do that, right? And then that becomes very, very difficult. So in a future where you have the technology, like you could be a space farmer on any planet you come across and just like, you know, squat for whatever land, if it's land that's already owned by one of these colonies that are part of this group, then you probably don't have the right to do that. And so people are probably scrambling in order to join and become part of this bigger group so that they have the ability to at least provide for themselves. Yeah. And it's I think about like how this would affect other pieces and parts of the economy of of the star field. I keep on wanting to say the galaxy, but I much prefer (laughs) calling the whole area the star field. It's not a, a complete galaxy either. It's like a very specific set of stars that are within a certain distance of Earth. Right. Um, Which is definitely not the entire galaxy. Right. So my question is like, oh, will that affect like, oh, if you're a trader and you're not a part of the United Colonies, well, guess what? If you're not a citizen, you can't do business or you have a reduced rate for selling equipment to us. Because you pay more taxes on it and more taxes based on, you know, where you're from. So that creates this this kind of deficit of, of resources for people who want to do business with these, these more developed areas. And so like, that's gonna, that's gonna cause discrimination and people being like, well, fine, I'm just going to go do my business with the Freestar collective or even the Crimson Raiders because they're actually going to pay me what it's worth opposed to these people that are not going to do that. Um, yeah. And so th- it may be more like, dangerous out there. They may be less, you know, guards on every corner, but right. at least I have the freedom to do what I want and not get screwed over. <laughs> Right. Unless you join the military. And then once you join the military and do your tour of service, being on the vanguard, then you get to be a citizen. Like some of that yeah. stuff is, is interesting to me. You did mention Starship Troopers. Do you think we're going to have situations? Because you know how these games are. There's the main storyline and the main storyline takes you through like different factions and the things that you would probably want to see. But then there's going to be side quests and there's going to be other crazy planets out there. Are we going to get a Starship Troopers like side quest planet where the colonies are trying to settle a new planet but it's got giant bugs on it and so you have to march into battle with other soldiers and gun down a bunch of giant bugs i wouldn't be surprised if that's like one of the first missions that you do because it's like okay here like like that's a classic like kind of bethesda move it's like oh here's all of the people that you came here with um of you know these named npcs or whatever and then they all like in skyrim like you come in and everybody gets their head chopped off or in you know and fall out like you do a battle and a bunch of people are like dying left and right to to 
get through the dam or to get through whatever. Right. I, I think that there's a high percentage chance of having a Starship Troopers like situation in there. Yeah, I think that would be great. I, I expect that there will be little references to lots of different sci fi. Oh, like yeah. we're going to get some sort of Stargate reference. We're definitely going to get Star Wars references and Star Trek references. But some of the lesser known sci-fi stuff like Firefly, uh, The Expanse, Dune. Dune. Yeah, we're going to get some of these things. So if you are fans of those other series, keep an eye out. Let us know when you play this game, if you come across something that we, we haven't noticed yet and be like, oh, my God, did you notice that Dune planet? We'll be like, oh, what? Sandworms? Yeah, yeah man, sandworms. So we're like, awesome. And- and I think a lot of people are really excited, you know, f- from our standpoint, it's easy to make connections like that to other sci-fi series. But I mean, the number one thing is like, oh, what are you going to make your ship like? It's like, oh, I want to make the Normandy. Oh, I want to make the Millennium Falcon. Like people, yeah. people are, people are interested in finding those, you know, those little things or making their experience more tailored to things that they know. Yeah, that's true. That would be cool too. Maybe we should do a little contest where like the, whoever designs the coolest spaceship or the spaceship that looks like another spaceship the closest. Mm-hmm. That could be fun. Um, so, yeah. all right. So I think we've covered everything that we know right now based on the new stuff that was shown in Starfield Direct. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be going over some of the other locations on future episodes. So make sure yep. you are subscribed to this, either this audio podcast subscription feed feed i guess feeds the word or the youtube video that you're watching this on or whatever make sure you subscribe so you can come back we're going to go over all the details plus we had a very very nice uh fan of the show send us a document with a whole bunch of details they went through every single frame and pointed things out so thank you very much for that and we'll be noting some of the things from there as well because there's definitely stuff in the gameplay that they've shown us that people are not talking about yet. So, mm-hmm. so we'll be back to talk about that stuff uh, and make sure that you're, you're going to starfieldinsider.com. We'll be posting a lot of that stuff there as well. So Dave, you got anything else going on before we head out? I do my rad rules podcast. It's a tabletop, uh, actual play podcast where we play fallout 2d 20 and some other games. Uh, we're finishing up our uh, New Orleans stuff right now. We've got a Starfield thing coming out soon, but you can find all that at Rad Rolls on every service, on all the services. QB, awesome. we're on there. Awesome. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, go go uh, all the services. Just pick a service and look it up. And it should, should be there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if you like if you like Bethesda stuff, then go check that out. If you like Bethesda stuff, go check out my, my stuff as well. Follow Lorecast, Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a bunch of other stuff out there. Uh, RobotsRadio.net. That's the place to find all our shows. And uh, I guess until next time, we'll see you in the stars. We need to come up with like a good, like, see you later outro. I, I think that we do... Um, I, I think that maybe we, we need a theme that, you know, like we're going to We'll eject our seats. Maybe we shouldn't be ejecting our seats, though. <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> well, we lost oxygen. Um, we'll think about it. Maybe we'll come up with something. Maybe Crashing again. Uh, <laughs> bye, everybody. Yeah, I guess that'll work. All right. Crashing again. See you later. Excited for Starfield. Let's all 
speculate and wear no shoes. Hey, why aren't we wearing any shoes? Because shoes rhymes with iTunes, and that's the best I could think of. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.